We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All Hit Radio. To the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. I made love to an alien near Roswell last night. We strolled along together in the pale moonlight. I had a funny feeling that something wasn't right. I made love to an alien. When she gripped my hand, I was feeling mighty fine. But her fingers with mine would not intertwine. When I bent down and gazed into her eyes, there were bigger donuts and blacker than the sky. And welcome back, everyone. My guest this hour is going to be talking about UFOs. And, of course, my guest this hour here in the X-Zone that's coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network is Preston Dennett. And, you know, if I was to give you a total rundown of all Preston's book that he's written, it would take the entire first 12-minute segment because that's how many books this young gentleman has done. I'll just name a few of them. And I'm sure if you've listened to the X-Zone over the last 32 years, you've known you know Preston and his books, but for those of you who are just joining us on our new affiliates, uh, some of Preston's books include Onboard UFO Encounters, Schoolyard UFO Encounters, The Healing Power of UFOs, Not From Here, Volume 3, Undersea UFO Base, UFOs Over Colorado, Inside UFOs, UFOs Over Arizona, UFOs Over Nevada. I think if there's a state in the union that has been left out so far, you can be assured that a book is coming your way very shortly. Preston began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic unexplained encounters. Now, since then, he has investigated hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomenon. He is a field investigator for the Mutual UFO Network, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher, and the author of over 26 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. Joining me now is Preston Dennett. And Preston, welcome back to the Exxon. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Yeah, doing pretty good. Um, I, I haven't asked this question to anybody else, and uh, I just thought of it when, I was, uh, when we were doing the lineup for tonight's show. Whereas, in your opinion, or do you know of, of any increase or decrease in UFO activity during the COVID period? Oh, definite increase. Really? I looked it up, actually, in the various UFO reporting centers. In the first half of 2020, in particular, just about doubled. Unreal. Yeah, it went back down to normal levels towards the end of the year and seems to have actually went gone down a little bit since then. Uh, but yeah, that first... You, Half of 2020 was huge. And what if, what, event, what effect did the Tic Tac videos have on ufology, in your opinion? Oh, it pushed it well into the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, I think it introduced quite a few people to this subject who had never thought about it before, convinced a few skeptics. I think for those of us who have been in this field for a long time, uh, it was a little bit of a disappointment, this recent disclosure from the Pentagon. In June, right? Uh, right. Uh, but uh, absolutely, it was a big step for the government, the U.S. government, to actually use the word extraterrestrial. You could tell it hurt them to say it, but they used it. Um, tell me about your new book. What's it entitled? It's called Wondrous, 25 True UFO Encounters got a wide variety of cases, mm -hmm. all brand new, never before published, yeah, covering the, really the entire spectrum. 
How long does it take you to research and write a book? Because like I said during your introduction, over 26 books and 100 articles. Yeah, the research takes, that's where the real time comes in. The writing itself, once I've got all the research done yeah. or most of it, goes fairly quickly. Six months, I would say, if I've got all the research done. But the research itself takes a couple of years minimum. Are you finding more and more people are turning to UFOs and the research and investigation into UFOs since the uh, since the report that came out in June and of course seeing the the Tic Tac footage that uh, was from those Navy fighters that hit every major media going? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm getting contacted by quite a few more people. Mm -hmm by the media as well. There's a lot more interest. This is actually be taken much more seriously. People are much more willing to have their real names used. Uh, yeah, it has had a huge effect on this field. You know, j just a couple of events that I know for this past week, uh, Stephen Bassett had Dr., I'm sorry, Captain Robert Salas at the press gallery again in the United States talking about the effect of UFOs over U.S. military sites. And uh, coming up next week, or the week after, on November the 6th, there's the Travis Walton International Skyfire Summit. And uh, while I'm mentioning that explanation, it's totally online, and it's $10 for the entire event. And if you're interested, go to theobservationdk.com. Uh, Travis Walton's still in there. Um, he seems to be the person who today is is keeping ufology together because his story has been unshakable for over 40 years. Yeah, yep. There are skeptics and people have tried to debunk it, but he's still out there doing the good work. Yeah. Uh, it's a classic case for sure. Multiple witnesses, physical evidence. Yeah, I'm really glad to see he's stuck to his guns. And he's still out there doing this. In fact, I had Jennifer Stein on last week, and there's going to be a new movie released. So I'm anxious to see that. And, uh, it, yeah, it, it, Fire in the Sky was a great movie, but the onboard yeah. segment, mm -mm, it was just not accurate. Compared to the reports that you get about onboard uh, segments, talking about uh, one of your books entitled uh, Onboard a UFO. How do the segments in Fire in the Sky differ from the reports that you've received and that are mentioned in your book? Oh, it varies greatly. I mean, what was accurate about it was, I think, the strangeness and mm -hmm. how it can be quite frightening for people. Being physically examined, that does happen, but like having that sheet or plastic placed over you or floating around in this honeycomb cavern and all of that. I have never heard anything like that. Uh, so I was a bit disappointed in how that was portrayed because generally speaking, yeah, uh, the interior of UFOs are pretty consistent. Are the descriptions of the, 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 uh, the extraterrestrials the same in all the reports that you get or do they vary? Oh, they vary. They vary all right. I will say that at least 50, 60 percent, maybe even a little more, are what we would think of as grays, mm -hmm. short little beings, bald heads, dark eyes, uh, pale skin. But we also get praying mantis-type beings. I've got a few of those in this latest book. Human-looking is really? also quite common. There's another category, which I would call strange humanoids. And these often involve beings you never hear before or since they're unique so it's hard to categorize what kind of reports are you getting now are the reports changing or are the reports just staying the same is there anything new that is coming across your desk oh yeah i would say each case has a little bit of new information in it to a certain extent you can predict what a person's going to say if they you know say they've been taken on board. Um, I'm not surprised when they describe a round room in direct lighting, being laid out on a table or a dentist-type chair, this sort of thing. But each case absolutely does have unique elements. Like mm. uh, one lady 
she described being taken on board and she said there was a couch on board and a carpet and what looked like a TV. Huh. And I'm like, oh, really? She says, yeah, I know this was a craft. You know, the walls were different. There was a door it looked really different. Mm-hmm. I felt like they had sort of dressed it up like a living room to sort of reduce the fear factor, uh, which is something I have heard before, but not often. How about alien abductions? Uh, do you still get reports of those? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah, this is still going on. Uh, it takes a while, I think, for people to find the person to talk to mm-hmm. or to work up the courage to go public. Right. But I, I know a guy in England. He's still currently having encounters. A lady in Florida, a lady in Maine, a, a lady in Indiana. Yeah, it is absolutely still going on. Do these people have anything in common? I, I, and I'm going to have to ask you to hold on to your answer for that because I just looked at my clock and Craig told me that we're running into a commercial uh, segment. So, Preston, stand by and um, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, a lot of questions are, are being asked now by, by the public. Is there a conspiracy to withhold the information about UFOs, extraterrestrials, about alien abductions, what is behind it all? And why aren't we being told the truth? These questions and more hope to get answered here on the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at com on all social media sites, TV, And of course, you can always uh, find us on TV on the Exxon TV channel. Check them out at www.simultv.com. We strolled along together in the pale moonlight I had a funny feeling that something wasn't right I made love to Lane last night When she gripped my hand I was feeling mighty fine But her fingers with mine would not intertwine When I bent down and gazed into her eyes They were bigger donuts and blacker than the sky That I'm feeling lonely. I said, Lord, so am I. We'll stroll along together. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite. Because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Welcome back, everyone. Preston Dennett is my special guest. And if you'd like to find out more about Preston, if you'd like to get any of his books, Preston Dennett, 
Weebly.com. That's P-R-E-S-T-O-N-D-E-N-N-E-T-T dot Weebly.com. And I'm sure your books are available on Amazon.com. Am I correct, Preston? That's right. Excellent. Now, Preston, with all the people who are experiencing the abduction phenomena, and I'm talking about the ones that you know about, is there any common thread that they share? For example, the same blood type, uh, lineage, occupation, IQ, or does it just cross the entire spectrum? Uh, it really does cross the entire spectrum. It's evenly divided between men and women. I know it's not blood type. I've talked to people pretty much all races. Uh, it's not political affiliation. It's not age. It's not religion. Um, I think occupation can be a factor because I have noticed, particularly among cases of people who have been healed, that there's a lot of social workers, environmentalists, doctors, teachers, artists, inventors, people who are doing good work for humanity in some capacity, musicians, police officers. It's a loose pattern, but it does turn off. But otherwise, yes, they do seem to track families. And at least 50% of the cases of people who are particularly being taken on board mm -hmm. more than once, yes, it has happened to their parents, their grandparents, other relatives, to their children. Uh, this is something that absolutely seems to follow from generation to generation. Are you still getting reports of people who um, are, are losing their children during pregnancy? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah, a, re yeah, a really somewhat alarming case, which actually took place in Canada in 2006 to a couple had, who had just moved there. And uh, they were seven and a half months pregnant had an episode of missing time. Mm -hmm. uh, we're back in their home. There was a huge electrical storm. Uh, it was really quite scaring them. And they unaccountably fell asleep, woke up the next morning, and the wife turned to the husband and says, Honey, I don't feel pregnant. He's like, What are you talking about? Yeah. They, had they sent me their medical records. They sent me pictures. They had gone to the midwife, blood tests, felt the baby kicking, ultrasound, the whole deal went to the doctor, they had an appointment in three days, they moved it up, and uh, the doctor was completely baffled, said, you're not pregnant. We don't know what happened. There may have been a misdiagnosis. We do not know how to explain this, uh, but you are not pregnant. Wow, talk about traumatic. Yeah, I asked them, do you have a history mm -hmm. of UFO encounters? And they did. Course, there was the missing time episode, right? But, but he had seen UFOs twice prior to this. So had his father, and she reported that she had seen light, what she described as light beings, glowing figures, mm. c coming into her room. So she absolutely feels that's what happened. They looked this up on the internet, the yeah. missing fetus syndrome, it's called. Uh, and she's actually kind of okay with it. At first, they were really upset cried quite a bit, mm -hmm. but she's absolutely feels certain that her baby has been taken and is in good hands being raised somewhere else. Is it possible that she was inseminated by a method or by an alien, and this is why her child was taken as, as a hybrid? Um, well, certainly it's possible. She has no memory of anything like that. Mm -hmm. I will say that this pregnancy was unexpected and unplanned. They did want to have children, but right. they had a lot of things going on when this happened. They just moved into a new house, needed repairs. They were starting a business. They were dealing with you know, getting citizenship for her. She came from Europe and uh, dealing with red tape and the insurance side of things. And yeah. But, so, yeah, it was unplanned, but I have no evidence that it was anything but a normal pregnancy. You know, because that raises a question about, you know, the star of Bethlehem over the, over the manger, the angel Gabriel, the immaculate conception, the birth of Christ. You know, it just opens up a, a can of worms. Is it possible that Jesus Christ himself was a hybrid? Right. Well, I do know of another case that I researched where a lady was not intimate with anybody yeah. and she became pregnant. So she knows that this was uh, 
I mean, there's no other way to explain it. She was having encounters and then boom, she's pregnant. And she, she had already lost like three pregnancies. And this oh, was Lord. the fourth one. Now, do these people who lose their, their children who have been yet born, do they ever get to see them again? Oh, yeah. She really? certainly did. She saw them as a child. She was taken on board and later saw them as a full-grown adult. I'm also talking to a lady in Florida. Same thing. She had a missing pregnancy, um, got to see them as little children, mm -hmm. babies, and he actually came and visited her in her kitchen and uh, introduced himself, said, we're watching over you. Uh, she asked him, how old you are? How old are you? And he says, I'm about 25, as you would think of it, but I'm actually a little bit older because we move around in a different time stream, is how we kind of put it. So is it possible, in your opinion, that the angels of yesteryear that were written about in the Bible were actually ETs? Oh, yeah. I think there's a possibility that that has happened and that's mm -hmm. been interpreted as, as angelic. The lady I mentioned who lives in Maine was actually told by the ETs a bunch of information. They told her, we need to stop putting out the greed and negativity. We're on the pathway to destroying our planet. They've been, been manipulating our genes for generations, including dogs and cats to sort of elevate their emotional intelligence to make them better relate to humans. They said if people should start disappearing from this planet, it's being done by them for the universal good. And they did say, who you thought were angels mm -hmm. was us. Puts an entirely new spin on history, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. history is, I think, not quite what we think it is. I mean, look at the, the fact that we have some of these beings that look just like us. Yes human-looking, that raises serious questions about who we are, human origins, our relationship to these guys, because it's clear this hybrid baby phenomena mm -hmm. may be a lot older than we think. Because some ancient writings, whether you're talking about the Bible or you know, other cultures, indigenous cultures, talk right. about intermating with the gods, in quotes, and this sort of thing. That's right. Does, doesn't it say in the Bible that the Nephilim came down and and laid with the fair maidens of Earth? Exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. This, um, could be, and we know they've been around far longer than our recorded history because we have hieroglyphs that point towards this. We have petroglyphs. Yeah. Indigenous cultures have an oral tradition about sky people. The uh, native uh, Canadians talk about the Thunderbird, Thunder Gods. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, like, it's all there. The evidence is all there. So why don't we just basically say, okay, this is it, and go to the leaders and say, well, what are you hiding? Why are you hiding it? They've been here for this long. They don't seem to be any threat to national security or a threat to humanity. So why don't we just say... Welcome. Yeah, I I agree. I think they are a threat to the power structure. Yes. The power elite and mm -hmm. the governments who are hiding this. It's clear they are hiding it. They're, it's not speculation. There is a cover-up. It's easily demonstrable as to why it's taking place. I mean, that's more difficult to answer. I have spoken to some whistleblowers. I've been sitting on a few accounts which I was able to publish in this latest book including one gentleman who was actually on his deathbed in a hospital and really wanted to do his part towards disclosure. Right. And he described how he was a contractor for the military, working on a project at Edwards Air Force Base, which, if you know anything about Edwards Air Force Base here in California, it's neck deep involved in UFOs. Yeah. But he saw what appeared to be a UFO floating in a hangar. Uh, short or a... It's a tiny little thing like a sports car, no right. windows, just levitating there. And he turned to his employer and says, what's that? And his employer refused to answer until a year went by and he needed to hire this guy that I interviewed for another job. And the guy interviewed and says, I'm not doing it unless you tell me what we saw. And his employer capitulated and said, okay, but you can't tell anybody. And said, what you saw was not a UFO, but it was reverse engineered from alien 
technology. Right. It's a it's a craft that uses counter rotating hey, magnetic Preston, fields. Preston, I've got to take my news break. Please stand by, my friend. Exonation Preston Dennett will continue this story on the other side of the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, before we get back to our guest this hour, Preston Dennett, just like to remind everyone that coming up on November the 6th is the Travis Walton International Sky, Sky Fire Summit. And it's online. It is an entire day. The cost is $10 U.S. And Travis Walton is going to be there. Uh, let me see Jennifer Stein and a host of others. So if you're interested in the Travis Walton case, Fire in the Sky on TV, that starred James Garner, and uh, other people who have had experiences who are believers, not skeptics, the truth is out there. And oh, and it's up to us, each and every one of us, to look at both sides. And I'll tell you, the evidence bends the scales of justice in favor of, yes, the truth is that they are here, they have been here, they have been part of our history, and that there are people like Travis and many other researchers who come forward and talk about it, including my guest this hour, who is a, an author of over 26 books, and I'm talking about Preston Dennett. His website is PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Before we went to the break, you were talking about this uh, deathbed confession. Yeah, yeah, I was quite honored to speak with this gentleman, and he described this UFO that mm-hmm. he saw in a hangar at Edwards Air Force Base, and finally got the answer from his employer what they saw. It wasn't a UFO, but rather a craft built using reverse engineering from extraterrestrial technology. And he said how it operated was it used counter-rotating magnetic fields to create sort of a gravitational hole on the outside of the craft, and that would propel the craft in the direction desired. So it's something like the electromagnetic systems that many monorails use. Somewhat, I would say, along those lines. And this is often what we hear from contactees, Mm -hmm. experiencers who are taken to the engine room and told how these craft work. It's usually along the lines of magnetics and gravitational fields. Preston, uh, do you have any idea why the U.S. is 
now interested on going back to the moon. Does this, in your opinion, have anything to do with the UFO phenomenon? It may very well. Um, I think that there are probably some alien artifacts up there. I've mm -hmm. talked to a few whistleblowers, and if you look into the whole history of the moon, there's what's called TLP, transient lunar phenomena, where lights are seen and what appear to be structures that, and movement that appears and disappears. A uh, number of whistleblowers have talked about this, Maurice Chatelaine, many others, uh, that the astronauts were followed to and from the moon. Uh, that could definitely be one of the reasons uh, for this. That's not really my specialty, but I'm certainly keeping track on it. To your knowledge, uh, Preston, have there been any more uh, UFO crashes like the fabled and famed Roswell crash? Uh, the Roswell crash, the case that keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I know that's not, I feel like it's much more common than people realize. I think there was some buzz a couple of years ago, uh, 2019 was it, about an incident in Brazil. And it hit the sort of UFO headlines for a few days there. And then that was it. Hmm. Haven't heard anything about it since. That's the most recent one I've heard. But I suspect this goes on, I don't want to say often or even regularly, but a lot more often than I would say even people within the UFO community suspect. And there are over 100 documented cases, usually resting on one or two eyewitness testimony, mm -hmm. sometimes a little bit more. Uh, but it's definitely a phenomenon that I believe is taking place. A number of years ago, cattle mutilation was hot and heavy in the news. It seems, or it seems like, that those stories have kind of died down, or is that just another aspect of the news that is not getting covered? Uh, yeah, I would say probably a little bit of both. Every now and then you will hear a new case, mm -hmm. and that sometimes inspires other people to talk about it. But there is somewhat of a media blackout on these sort of things. Uh, I've looked quite deeply into the cattle mutilation phenomena when I wrote UFOs over New Mexico and Colorado, both of which are the hardest hit states in the U.S. Really? Oh, yeah. And it is still going on for sure. Uh, Any idea why they're still abducting the cattle or, or mutilating them? Uh, possibly for genetic harvesting. Okay. Uh, the research is actually pointing more and more towards government. Really? This is what, absolutely. I was kind of shocked, but the people who focus in on this, mm -hmm. who specialize on animal mutilations, unusual animal deaths, it's right. we're now terming it, uh, have often come to the conclusion that there's heavy government involvement and that it might not be ET at all. And I can tell you, I've talked to a few experiencers uh, who are like, no, no, the ETs do not do this. Mm. Uh, so it's definitely controversial. I'm not quite sure what to think of it. I've never really researched my own cattle mutilation case. Uh, I'm not an expert on that particular aspect of this, but whew, it is absolutely, I think the government is going to have to answer to this at some point in their involvement. One of, one of the interviews that I remember most with you over the years is the one where we talked about children in schoolyards. Ah, yes. That the, the that topic just blew me, blew my mind. Can you share some of the examples with our listeners tonight? Yeah, I love these cases. I suspected that this was a thing when I heard about the Rua Zimbabwe case mm -hmm. and recalled that there was one in Crestview Elementary School in Florida. And then others started popping into my mind. I'm like, oh, Westall High School, Melbourne, Australia, 1966. UFOs landed next to there. Hillsdale College, also 1966, two weeks before Westall, by the way, UFO landed. Broadhaven, Wales Elementary School. So I found 100 cases. They start around 1950, and one or two cases every year. It's still going on. Um, I've got recent cases as recent as 2019. My gosh. Uh, so, yeah, it's absolutely a thing. I've tracked some of these cases personally. Uh, 
one really interesting case occurred here in California, in Encinitas, mm -hmm. where the whole playground saw this UFO come in for a landing to the canyon next to the school. They could see the windows in this craft, and there were beings inside. And a short time later, it came up, circled around the school. Everybody saw it, teachers. Uh, this was reported to the National UFO Reporting Center. It's a great case. And I'm absolutely telling you, this is a thing. They are showing themselves to school children. More and more. Yeah, and here's a really interesting sort of statistic to this. Half of the cases involve elementary schools. Elementary schools, children with open minds. Exactly. They've never heard the term UFO. Yeah. They don't discriminate. They, they don't, don't, and they don't fear it. Exactly. Their minds are unpolluted on yeah. how they interpret this. Uh, so that I thought was very interesting. These are always daylight sightings, pretty much exclusively. Very low level, long lasting, mm -hmm. and in 30% of the cases, 30%, these things are actually landing next to the schools and humanoids are coming out. You know, you've mentioned uh, the Center for UFOs a number of times, and, you know, hats off to Peter Davenport and crew who do a great job of maintaining that site and getting the information out to as many people that, that are serious about looking into this phenomenon. Absolutely, yeah, he's doing great work. Yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised that this subject isn't more popular <laughs> Uh, than it is. Uh, it baffles me. But then again, you have to remember, there is a government cover-up, mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of our tax dollars spent on making UFO witnesses look like fools, like idiots, like liars, drug users, hoaxers. That's our tax dollars at work. You know, I, I can't understand how the, the cover-up can continue, especially since the government acknowledged that the tic-tac gun camera film was real yeah that was a big step a yeah. big baby step but uh it definitely moved the whole field forward a little bit and honestly i am not so sure they did this completely voluntarily oh really some yeah some of this footage was leaked and uh, i think they were forced to make statements about it and they're starting to lose control of the situation and people's perception of this phenomenon most people feel that our government and governments across the world mm -hmm. are covering this up. And if they don't take steps towards disclosure, they're going to lose credibility. They're going to lose control of the subject, and that's the last thing they want. Preston, please stand by. We have to take our final break for this hour. In Dexone Nation, my guest this hour is Preston Dennett. Over 26 books, over 100 articles, and he has more books in the wings. If you'd like to find out more about Preston, visit his website at www.prestondennett.weebly.com. And his books are available on all major online bookstores. And we'll both be back wrapping up this hour here in the Exxon. Whoa, thank you, Craig. Another hot one that you gave me. Am I that close to the break? Let's try it again. Well, Preston and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. And don't forget to check out www.classic1220.ca. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.
Welcome back, everyone. Preston Dennett is our guest this hour. And once again, his website is www.prestondennett.weebly.com. First of all, uh, Preston, thanks so much for coming on and sharing this exciting information with us. But during the break, you were telling me that there's a case in Ontario that uh, you'd like to share with us. Yeah, I love this case because it's a very unusual one. I haven't heard anything quite like it. It involves a gentleman who's a very nice guy, very intelligent. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a young kid, he had a bedroom visitation in his basement bedroom, but didn't know what to make of it. Uh, Started doing CE5 protocols. He became interested in UFOs as a young man and calling them down using lights and meditation. Right. And was phenomenally successful. Had three, maybe four close encounters. He and his girlfriend, who would later become his wife, and uh, as a young man, he, you know, he's very interested in possibly meeting ETs face to face. And it was shortly after doing these CE5 work, close encounters of the fifth kind, initiating contact, he had a very unusual experience. Uh, he initially did not want to tell me where it happened, but I finally convinced him. Uh, it was at Wasaga Beach. Uh, they had rented a little cabin, mm-hmm. he and his friends, and he convinced his friends to take a walk late at night. They didn't want to do it, but it, he's like, come on, come on, we'll just take a short walk. It's a warm night, it was summer, and uh, they were walking along the beach when suddenly he noticed his best friend standing next to him froze and stopped talking. And he's like, what's the matter? Why aren't you answering me? And he looked ahead of him, and his other friends were also frozen in mid-step. And in looking around, the waves weren't moving, the leaves on the trees, everything was perfectly still. An oppressive silence fell over the area. He said it felt an electric feeling in the air. And looking over at the waterline, maybe 100 yards away, were three very strange-looking figures. They were very tall. Right. And, and as he's looking at them, the next thing he knows, he's standing right in front of them, three feet away. And he said they were easily nine feet tall, maybe 10. Holy cow. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, are, are you sure? And he says, yeah. well, listen, I'm six and a, over six feet tall. I had to look up at them. Mm-hmm. He described them as wearing black, shiny sort of jumpsuits with a, what appeared to be a cape and a high collar, uh, little caps. They had huge eyes. Says it was their eyes that really entranced him. They had yellow, jagged teeth, very wrinkly, old skin. He had the sense that these guys were well over 100 years old. But their eyes were massive and had gold and blue lined irises. And he was going to walk up to them and try to talk to them. But uh, instead, he just shouts out, you have no right to be here. Uh, He's not sure why he said that, but that's what came out of his mouth. And they said in a loud, gravelly voice, all talking at once, out loud. We can come and go as we like. Nothing can stop us. And he said it was quite threatening. It really freaked him out. And the next thing he knows, he is back up running towards his friends who are going back up the trail towards the cabin. And he was rushing to go tell them about these guys and what had happened. But by the time he reached his friends, the whole thing just left his mind. He forgot. All he knew was that something weird had happened. I and that's where, yeah, that's where it rested for a week, until they, or two weeks rather, until they rented this cabin again and he spontaneously remembered. And he asked his friends about it. He said, do you remember, you know, taking that walk? They're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. He says, did anything weird happen? And they're like, no, no not really. Um, but, yeah, who were those guys you went up and talked to? They looked weird. And uh, he didn't want to say it because he didn't want to say, oh, you know, they were aliens. Uh, but his friends did seem to remember that, but didn't really, I mean, they were very casual about it. Uh, and that's really all they recalled. They did not recall, you know, freezing in place or having missing time. Right. Like, like he did. It's a very strange case. One of the other cases that is the one of the cases that most people will remember is the Betty and Barney Hill case. What is your take on that case about Betty and Barney Hill driving? I believe it was in New Hampshire. They were coming from Montreal. 
and they experienced uh, an abduction scenario. Right. Yeah, it's a watershed event for sure. Yeah. Um, it's the first case that was publicized in the U.S. certainly, and sort of fit the pattern of other cases. It's not the first, as it turns out. Uh, that was 1961. Uh, there were quite a few other cases occurring, which never got any publicity or investigation. I know Bud Hopkins has a case that dated to about 1923, Whoa. involving yeah, gray-type ETs. Going through the list of your books, what what book is your favorite and why? Oh, you're going to ask me to choose between my babies, huh? All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Onboard UFO Encounters. I think that's probably one of my most successful, mm -hmm. but I'm really proud of the UFO, the power, healing power of UFOs, because uh, that shows a real benevolent side to contact that I don't think it's the attention it deserves. You know, speaking about that, Travis Walton is is saying that that beam of light that struck him was kind of a, a mistake and that the aliens actually took him aboard their craft to save his life. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was kind of interested to hear that. So that yeah. shows the the compassion that they have for we weakling humans. Yeah, I mean, this can be a very scary phenomenon. I've mm -hmm. talked to people who've had PTSD and nightmares and what they perceive to be negative encounters. But I can tell you, I get no accounts of what I would call sadism or torture or ETs trying to hurt or scare people. The very worst I get is the physical examination, which can be scary. Of course. But if a person doesn't have a strong fear reaction, they're not rendered paralyzed, their memories are not suppressed, they're given freedom of movement, allowed to explore the craft, they're shown the engine room. Mm -hmm. they're shown... I've got many cases where people are taken to the helm, the control room, sat down in the seat and taught how to fly the craft. It's not unusual. Just a little bit off topic because we're coming to the end in about two minutes, uh, Preston. What did you think about Bill Shatner going up in space? Oh, I watched it live. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hoping he would see some Klingons or something. Maybe bring back a triple or two. Yeah. But, <laughs> but no, it was, a, it was amazing. It was fun. Well, we Canadians yeah. are very proud of Bill Shatner and all his accomplishments, including the his you know his his trip into space. Preston, uh, as always, time goes by so fast when you're with us. I've got about a minute. I'd like you to to give the Exo Nation your final thoughts. Oh, thanks very much, Rob. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, and sir. I think this is a subject that's not going away. This is an important subject. People might be skeptical, but I can tell you this is affecting your life. Uh, if we have this technology, I think we do. It could solve the environmental crisis, the economic crisis, the energy crisis. Disclosure will happen. And when it does, one way or another, we're going to have open official contact. We're moving towards a very different paradigm. Um, I'm pretty excited. It's a good time for the UFO field. Do you think that disclosure will happen during the presidency of uh, President Biden? I don't know. Any government, certainly not the U.S. government, is going to do it. I think disclosure might come through the back door mm -hmm. from perhaps government whistleblowers or a CE5 group, a group of people calling down UFOs or a major event, very right. much like the Phoenix Lights or another wave. Uh, we'll see how it happens. But the cat is out of the bag. The cover-up is, is a disastrous failure. It's leaking like a sieve, mm -hmm. and it's going to happen one way or another. Preston, thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Home. But once again, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can get your books. Yeah, thanks very much. My website, PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. My books are available on Amazon and other online retailers. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I always have fun. Take care of yourself, my friend. Be safe out there. Thanks, you too. Exo Nation, my guest this hour has been Preston Dennett. And uh, Preston is a welcomed member of the Exo Nation. His website, www.prestondennett.weebly.com.
www.thepatriotsocialist.com. When I come back on the other side of the news, Dr. Louis Turry joins me with some of his Nostradamus predictions right here in the X-Zone, because this is truly a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away, and don't forget, check out www.classic1220.ca for the classic rock, classic music, and classic talk. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal single item at regular price ba da ba ba 